to, to keep the Word of God before your eyes. And so that's one of the reasons why we put verses on the screen behind me. Um, right as service was beginning, we had some internet connectivity issues, and so for some reason, um, the sermon that I uploaded to uh, the master computer back there did not take, so I apologize in advance for not having um, slides available for you, but amen. Who remembers church before we had overhead projectors even, much less, uh, yeah, so praise God. Uh, you know, um, the the beginnings of the church turned uh, Asia upside down without uh, internet or a projector, so I think we'll be all right this morning, praise God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And what we've seen in the literal translation of this is that it would actually read, and I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at some what, what, the, what we call a literal translation of the Bible, it's kind of like trying to read the amplified version of the Bible. It's, it's, it's difficult to read, but it's, it's awesome to study because a, a literal translation um, takes some of the readability out of it. When I say readability, um, like if, if, you, if you're ever reading along in a, like a King James or New King James version of the Bible and you see words in, in italics, um, those were put there by the translators to make it easier to read, but that wasn't in the original um, language. And so a, a literal translation is, is hard to just, if you want to just sit down and read the Bible, but it's a great study tool. And uh, if you have a smartphone, there's free ones, you know, accessible. In my humble opinion, Young's Literal is, is one of the, the finest. And what we see in Young's Literal translation is this verse reads much differently than it does in the King James and New King James Version. Um, he literally says, those who expect Jehovah will pass to power. Those who expect Jehovah will pass to power. Now, the Lord laid some um, sentences, some thoughts um, on our hearts uh, several weeks back. and We've been presenting these uh, to you now for the last few Sundays. And I'm going to run through those again just to stir you up if I could. Amen. Are you stirrable this morning? Amen. It says, we were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. We were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. We were created to have things no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. Created to have things that no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. We were created to become something we can never make ourselves. We were created to become something we can never make ourselves. You, you ever hear people say, you know, I'm going to make something out of myself, you know? And, you know, sometimes people may be going through a struggle in their life or, you know, a hard time, or maybe they haven't been as motivated and, and um, as mature as they should have been, and they kind of come to a point, sometimes, you know, maybe a little later than they should have already been thinking about the future and, and stuff they should be doing, and, and so they kind of, you know, this idea, we're going to make something out of ourselves. Well, amen, we were created to become something more than, than what we're experiencing, but we can't do it ourselves. We can't do it without the Lord, Amen. We were created to experience emotions we cannot generate on our own. So the Bible says things like unspeakable joy filled with glory, peace beyond your ability to comprehend these and more flowing in you like rivers. We were created to know things we can't learn from our own efforts. 
Now, I know some people are more into studying than others, but the Bible instructs all of us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Not study to be approved. You're not studying so God will approve of you. He approves of you because of what Jesus has done for you and because of what he made you the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. But our efforts to study are to bring forth the approval that we've already been given so that that approval will, will be expressed, God's approval in and on our lives will be expressed in our daily lives, in our life reality. But as important then as studying is, there are certain things that you will never learn just because you decided to study it real hard. Amen. In other words, there are some things that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you, and you will never understand unless God unlocks your understanding of those things. So if you see, there's kind of a central thought, you know, lurking in the shadows behind all of these statements. The life that we were created to live, you know, that we can't get to on our own. We need, we need God. We need Him in our lives um, so that we can find fulfillment in these areas. We were created to do things we cannot do alone. We were created to see beyond the ability of our natural eyes. We were created with potential we will never tap into apart from faith in God. So the bottom line of it is this. We need the power of God in our lives. So when Isaiah 40 says those who expect Jehovah will pass to power, he's showing us that we should be expecting on a daily basis in our lives more than we can produce on our own. We should be expecting to experience things, learn things, feel things, do things, accomplish things, glorify God in ways, in, in our daily lives, um, far beyond what we can do with our own efforts and abilities. So the question that goes along all, with all of these, are you expecting more than you can produce on your own? And so I've been encouraging you to confess that. Add that to your morning confessions. Tell Father God that um, you're expecting more than you can produce on your own. We've been in a sermon series on Wednesday nights, um, Faithful Flourish and an Understanding Heart. And this coming Wednesday, um, we're going to be talking about the importance of asking. The importance of asking. The Bible says that you have not because you ask not. Now, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Father knows what you need before you ask. In Matthew 7, he tells you to ask. Right? So, the simple question then is, are you asking? Are you asking? God's not just going to do in your life what needs to be done. You have to ask him. Ask is an invitation. Okay? So, ask Father. Father, I, I would like to accomplish more today in my life, in my family, on my job, in my destiny, then I can accomplish uh, by my own efforts and abilities. Will you help me? Man, that, that kind of prayer right there, that kind of request, amen, is one that is music to our Father's ear. Because remember, Psalm 106 says that He saved you for His namesake so that He can make His mighty power known in and through your life. That he's forgiven your sins, not just for your benefit, but for his own, 1 John 2 and 12. Paul even said that the grace that he received from God and the salvation that came along with it was because Father God wanted to reveal Jesus in him. And he wants to do the same in you and me. 
You've been saved by the grace of God, by faith, of course, but for a purpose. And that purpose is not just so you'll not go to hell and go to heaven one day when you die, but so that Jesus himself can be revealed in you. Now, we do not have to settle for what we can do in our own strength. I want to say that about 17 times. Because this, I think, is where a lot of, not just people on earth, but a lot of God's people on earth have found themselves. We settle. We settle for what we have. And and listen to me now. There's a difference between settling and being thankful. We should absolutely be thankful for where we are, for what we know, for the level of life upon which we're now living and experiencing. Absolutely, positively be thankful for those things. But thankful, being thankful and settling for those things is two different things. Amen. And again, the Apostle Paul talked about this when he talked about reaching to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of him. He recognized that because Jesus had a hold of him, there were things that were now in reach for him that were previously beyond his reach. Things that he could never have. Things that he could never experience. Things he could never know. Things he could never do apart from Jesus laying hold of him. I sometimes explain that by um, when John Mark was very little, he, he wanted to play basketball with the big boys, but he couldn't heave that heavy basketball up to the hoop. And so I would pick him up and hold him up so now the hoop that was previously out of reach, he could reach it. He could make the shot. But he still had to make the shot, even, even though now... You know, before it was completely out of reach, impossible. But now that I had a hold of him, there it was in reach, but he still had to put some effort forth, are you with me, uh, in, in order to lay hold of the victory of, of, of shooting that basket. And so when, when he says in Philippians that he's striving to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of him, he's talking about, again, that picture I want you to see is now that Jesus has got a hold of you, there are things within reach for you um, that, that were previously out of reach. Again, things you can do, things you can have, things you can know, experiences, emotions, victories uh, in life. Um, but notice he said, I'm striving to lay hold. He, he recognized what we need to understand and recognize is that there's effort. So what's the opposite of this? Just settling, just being happy with, what, with where you are. Um, being content with, with, with what you know. Listen, being content is important. Paul said he learned to be content no matter what state he found himself in. So I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth, okay? Content and settled settling is not the same thing either, right? Being thankful, yes, but settling for what you have, not the same thing. Being content no matter what state you find yourself in. That's one of the, I think one of the, lesser understood and lesser talked about um, benefits of the Christian life is that you can find contentment in Christ, you know, whether, you know, you, as Paul said, abounding or, or being abased, um, no matter what state you find yourself in. But being content no matter what state you find yourself in, because this is what, listen, if, if you don't learn to be content with what you have, you'll never be content no matter how much you have, Right? So you've got to learn to be content, but, but again, he's not telling you to settle for what you have, but to keep reaching, to keep pressing, to keep moving forward. So 
we do not have to settle for what we can do in our own strength. Ephesians 6 and 10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How many of you know God's stronger than you? He's mightier than you. He has more power than you have. But he's saying that we can be strong in his power. We can be strong in his might. So we don't have to settle for what we can do in our own strength because we have a strength greater than ours, a power greater than ours available to us. 1 Corinthians 1, he says to those who are called, if you're born again, you're, you're a called out one. The church the church, the word church means ecclesia in the original language, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And it simply means the called out ones. We've been called out from the world. We've been called unto God. And so he says those who are called, Jews and Greeks, biological descendants of Abraham, non-biological descendants of Abraham, he says to us Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 2 and 5, that his prayer for them and us is that our faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That our faith, our trust, our confidence would not be in what we can produce with our own ability, our own ingenuity, our own wisdom, but that our confidence and faith would be in the power of God, his strength, what his power can do in our lives, what, what his wisdom can produce in our lives. Now, I don't, there are certain things that the Lord lays in my heart that just, for some reason, they strike a chord somewhere deep inside of me. And I find myself saying them throughout the day. And I think I said this week before last, but I'm going to say it again to you this morning. We were never meant to be limited to what money can buy or medicine can fix. We were never meant to be limited to what money can buy our medicine can fix. There was uh, an older gentleman um, in my life many years ago, um, and and uh, and he, and he said it this way. He said, uh, he said, if money will fix it, you really don't have a problem. You know, there's something you know because we have problems that money can't fix, right? Again, thankful for, for money. Don't misunderstand me. Thankful for medicine. Thank God for it. I believe it's all, if it's a good gift, it comes from him anyway, whether we recognize that or not. So I'm not, this isn't bashing money and it's not bashing medicine. I'm very thankful for both. But again, we, we were never meant to be limited to those two means of resolve. Amen. And I think, one of the things, if, if I could just touch on this without offending anybody, I think one of the things that the Lord is trying to make us understand and become aware of, even through all this stuff that we went through with COVID, is that a lot of times we, you know, let me say it this way, a lot of God's people think that they have put their trust in the Lord when they really haven't that our trust tends to lie more with money and medicine than it does with the Lord. And if you remember, we see throughout the scriptures, like where, you know, the, the, the chariots and the, and the warriors, you know, God told them to, to, to train men of war. He told them to equip them for battle, right? 
but he also cautioned the king about trusting in those chariots, right? Again, the, the horse is, is ready for battle, but that's not where your confidence lies. So money and medicine and horses and chariots are things that God can use as instruments to help us and, and, and bring benefit and blessing into our lives, but we can never allow those things to uh, become what we put our trust in, all the while deceiving ourselves into thinking that we're really trusting God when we're actually trusting in our bank account and, and, and in our family doctor. It's getting a little quiet up in here. That's okay. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just, right? Amen. You know, it's, and so that's, you know, in, in our country here, I mean, we are so blessed. And, and, you know, when Brother Copeland prophesied 2020 to be a year of great change, Man, I was, yes, sir, yes and amen, I believe I receive it, you know. Had no idea the great change that the Lord was talking about. But one of, one of the things that, that we saw from that is, you know, here in a you know, worldwide pandemic, it's come to Hueytown, Alabama, uh, Pastor Mark McClellan said, and, and what happens, you know, people go to the store and buy all the um, toilet paper and frozen pizzas. You know, I mean, it's like, what, you know, what in the world? You know, I mean, it's, that's our answer? You know, just go buy all the toilet paper and all the frozen pizzas and just, you know, go wait it out? What, you know, what, you know? Um, you you kind of see where we put our trust, you know? And so, um, but our trust is in the Lord, amen? Those who expect Jehovah, right, past the power, we, we access, we step over into a power that is beyond Anything that money or medicine can produce in our lives. John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God. These people wanted to know what they could do to do the works of God. Right? They're, they're like, well, just tell us what we can do to do the works of God. The attitude, if you read that story very carefully, Jesus had fed these people the day before, and they went across an ocean to find it. I say, you know, it was about a three-and-a-half-hour row-in-a-boat ride across. Um, to find Jesus because they wanted him to feed him again. They got hungry the next morning. And Jesus is like, look, don't seek after bread that perishes, but, but seek bread from heaven. And they're like, okay, well, just tell us how to do it. What are they saying? They're saying, just tell us how to get what we need without you. Right? In other words, if you'll teach us how to take a little boy's lunch and feed thousands of people, then we won't have to bother you anymore, Jesus. And we won't have to listen to you because, remember, that came after a sermon. We can just get right to the food and not have to listen to the sermon. You, you, see, the, you see the mindset, the attitude here. And Jesus said, you, you've missed it, guys. The work that you need to be focused on, what you need to be doing, is believing in him whom God has sent. This, this, should, be our, this should be where our deliberate, intentional actions are focused on is believing in the one whom God has sent. That means believing in what he has said. That means believing in what he has done. This means believing in who he is to us and, and, and the desire that, that he has and, and the longing even that he has in his heart to do life with you on a daily basis. He said, this is the work of God. If you guys want to you know, get industrious, if you guys want to take on a new project, if, if you want to add something to your calendar you know, a part-time job or whatever to your calendar. This is the work that you should be focused on, Jesus said. Believing in him 
whom he sent. Think about that for a minute. Now, I, um, you know, I'm not trying to make it like some you know, back-breaking, ditch-digging labor here, but if, if you're going to be strong in faith, it's going to require some effort on our parts. You, you don't just accidentally become strong in faith. You, you don't just accidentally one day become a faith ninja. It, it doesn't happen. It, it requires effort on our part to grow and, and develop. Um, uh, a lot of you in here, most of you in here, uh, know my nephew, uh, Will. It's Matt and Vanessa's uh, oldest son. And um, he is a guitar virtuoso. And he just pick it up and play it one day. It's just amazing. He picked up a guitar and could play it. Never had a lesson. Okay? It's a gift, Right? But then I watched him practice until his fingers bled. You, you see what I'm saying? So every person's been given the measure of faith as a gift. But what we do with that gift, right? We can develop it. We can strengthen it. We can feed it. We can grow it. We can use it and become strong in faith. Or we can just let it lie. And, and um, so he's saying this is the work. Believe in him whom God has sent. And, and so, you know, it requires effort is, 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 is what he's saying here. But, um, again, this is how, you know, we think of all that we would do. Do you, you remember, um, I believe it was Naaman in the Old Testament. Um, he was a high-ranking military official. He had leprosy, death sentence, terminal illness, a horrible terminal illness. And his uh, handmaiden, servant girl, she said, there's a prophet in my country that can, that can take care of that for you. So he loaded up all his, um, you know, gifts and all this other stuff and went on the journey to find the prophet. Prophet didn't even come to the door. Here to see the prophet. Ah, he's busy right now, but he said, if you'll go dip in the river, you'll be cleansed of your leprosy. Well, see, he got, he got mad about that. Got offended going to storm off, you know, back home. And one of his servants that was traveling with him finally got up enough courage to say, Sir, if he had asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. But he asked you to do something easy. See, see, so many times because we put our trust in ourselves, we, we would rather work extra hard at other things than investing that same type of effort and energy into developing our faith. Are you hearing me? This isn't about who's not here this morning. This is about who is here this morning. So remember that. I had pastors when I was growing up. They talked more about the people who were present in church. Uh, you know, they talked to those who were present about the ones who weren't. I'm like, dude, we're here. You know what I'm saying? All these people that you're talking about right now that aren't here, they can't hear you. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So I'm not, that, that, again, I'm, I'm very cautious not to, to, to try and do that. But see, there's a lot of folks, there's a lot of folks that call me their pastor in this church, their home, right, that have issues in their life this morning that only God can fix, only God can resolve. But they're more interested in doing other things rather than putting in the effort to be fed spiritually, to worship God, to fellowship with other believers, draw strength from one another because we're the body, right? And, and to grow and develop in faith. Amen. I said, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm just, I'm just telling you. It, it required some effort to get up and comb your hair this morning. It required some effort to get, if you've got small children, get the kids ready. Right? God bless the McLeans. How many sisters got to get all them ready? Right? Amen. 
I can only imagine. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so, praise God. Uh, but it, it's work, right? It's, it's effort. But it's, it's it, again, I believe you came here expecting. Amen? You came expecting. And those who expect Jehovah, what happens to them? They pass to power would be the right answer. Pass to power. Amen. So you can put your trust in your ability or you can put your trust in God's ability. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. We've looked at this one, uh, this particular verse quite a few times here lately. But it talks about people in the last day. And by the way, we're in the last days. He says that they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power of God and godliness in their lives. A form of godliness, but deny the power. A form of godliness, but deny the power. Think about what he's saying right there. These, these are, are people who, you know, try to put their best foot forward spiritually, so to speak. In, in other words, they, their efforts to express a, a risen Savior in, in their life reality is all about what they can accomplish on their own ability. It, 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 not God's power working in them, but their determined effort um, to be good and to do good. Now, certainly we should be good and we should do good. But if we're simply trying to be good and do good to make ourselves look good, this is obnoxious and offensive to God the Father. This is not acceptable to Him. But it's when we understand that He's made us good, He's made us righteous, and so now we're going to be good and do good because we've been made righteous, not because we're trying through our own efforts to make ourselves something that we could never make ourselves on our own. I'm not trying to confuse you here, but, but listen to me. This is, this is extremely important. Um, who, who are you expecting to help you be good and do good? <laughs> Amen. Are you just going to do that in your own strength and ability? Or are you going to expect Jehovah to help you, right? Um, the Bible says that he's in you to will and to do that which is pleasing to him. Amen. He's there to give you the want to to do it the motivation to do it, but he's also there to give you the strength and the power to do it. It's very, very difficult. It's very, very hard to try to live a life that pleases God without God's help. Have you figured that out by now? You can't, you can't do it. You cannot live the life that he created you to live without him. And even, even if you could, you've missed the point. That's not, what, that's not what he's interested in. He's not interested in you dotting every I and crossing every T without him. He would rather you miss a few T's and I's and punctuation marks with him than get them all right without him. Amen. So you can put your trust in your own ability. You can put your trust in God's ability. So those who have a form of godliness but, but deny the power of God in their lives... These are people who have chosen to put their trust in their own ability. And the Bible says, and it's rare that you find this in the scriptures because, because God wants us to live peaceably and all these other things. But God says that we should separate and from such turn away. He says we should separate ourselves from people like that. Think about that for a moment. That, that's, that's extreme there. But he says we, we shouldn't, um, you know, team up with people who are denying the power of God. So here's a really straightforward question. 
and, and I've been asking myself this uh, long before I you know, stand in front of you, and, and uh, well, maybe long before is an exaggeration, but before I stood in front of you and asked it, I've first been asking myself this question. Am I denying the power of God in my life? Am I denying the power of God in my life? Now, to answer the question, you need to understand what the word deny means here. Because I think, hear me out on this one, okay? I think sometimes we think denying the power of God means to deny there is a God, to deny that He has power, so forth and so on, okay? That's, that's not what He's talking about here. You can acknowledge that there is a God, that He is the Almighty God. You can acknowledge, give mental assent to, that He has uh, power, He created the universe, so forth and so on. But that's not the same. That's not the same as putting your trust in Him and allowing His power to work in and through your life. Th- think about it this way. I-, I have a dear friend, has family in uh, Canada, and, um, and she made a trip up there and was denied at the border. They wouldn't let her in. She didn't have the right paperwork. She was told that she did. When she got there, it turns out that she didn't. It was a long trip that, you know, ended in being unfulfilled. Um, if I remember the story correctly, um, she got a hotel room there at the border, and because her family could come across, they came across and they got to visit um, there uh, at the border, okay? Now, I'm, I'm telling you that because I want, I want to go back to it, okay? To deny the power of God, think, think of it in terms of a person being denied entry into a country. In other words, they didn't deny that she was a person. They didn't deny that, that she was a human being. They didn't even deny that she wanted to come into Canada. They just denied her access. Okay, So when we, we talk about deny, the word means to refuse, to reject, or to decline. And this is how I really feel like, feel like the, the Holy Spirit reminded me of my friend in that story who showed up at the border wanting to come in, but were not granted access. See, the power of God's present in this room this morning. Re- remember, let's go back to it. Remember when um, they let the guy, we, this story sticks out to a lot of us, you know, who, who heard it or read it, studied it in Sunday school, what have you. When they took the roof off the house and they lowered, four men lowered their buddy who was paralyzed down through the, the roof, because the, the house was so crowded that they couldn't gain entrance into any of the doorways or anything like that. Jesus was inside the house, and, and so they couldn't get in. Think about that, too. you got somebody that's paralyzed, and, and nobody will make room for them to get to Jesus, right? So these guys, though, they, they wouldn't be denied. Literally, they wouldn't be denied. So they climbed up on the roof and made their own way in, Okay. Those who expect Jehovah, what happens to them? So there was some expectation here on these people's part. Their expectation was, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, he'll be healed. And so there was no barrier, if you will, that was going to stop them. So if people are going to be rude and inconsiderate, then they're going to climb up on the roof and, and tear this man's house apart to get him into, into, the, into, the, into the presence of Jesus because they were expecting Jesus and the power of God to do what no doctor could do, to do what no money could buy, right? 
But he, here's the part of the story that I, I think we sometimes forget. Leading up to the part about the guy coming through the roof is that the Bible says the house was filled with religious leaders and the power of God was present to heal them. Guess how many religious leaders were healed that day? Zero. Not a single one. Wasn't because the power of God wasn't present. What happened? It was denied at the border of their heart. They denied it. They denied it access. They denied it access. Okay? Now, compare that to the folks, again, that came down through the roof. So when I say the power of God is present in this room, you know, sometimes we experience, you know, maybe you even get chills or cold chills or whatever. Thank God for that. I'm not trying to diminish any of that or what, what have you. But we don't have to feel something physically for the power of God to be present and available for, for our lives and in our situations. Okay. So to deny the power then would be to deny access. You see, God's power is ready, willing, and available to work in our lives. Don't turn him away at the border of your heart. You see, if you only expect, now I want you to kind of compare these two things, okay? Expecting Jehovah passing to power, okay? So if you only expect what you can produce, remember we're expecting more today in our lives than we can produce with our own efforts, ability, money, medicine, what have you, okay? Am I saying your ability is not important? Absolutely not. Your efforts and ability are important. We've got to get them focused in the right direction. Am I saying money is not a gift? It's a gift. It's a tool. It's a good thing if you use it properly. Am I saying medicine is bad or evil? No, no, no. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for what it does. Absolutely, okay? But remember, we were, not, we were never meant to be limited to those things. So if you only expect what you can produce, you will never pass into the power of God. You'll never cross over. Back to this border, right? I mean, our sister was right there, but they told her no. They denied her access. So close, but she might as well have been a million miles away. Do you see this? So when, when we only expect what we can produce, that prevents us from crossing over into God's power. It's, it's like there's a, there's a border there. There's a boundary there. It's like an invisible border, an invisible boundary. But again, if we expect Jehovah, now we're able to pass across. We're, we're able to, to, to go from only what we can produce over into, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But if we only put our trust in ourselves, if we only ever expect what we can accomplish with our own efforts and ability, then we'll, we'll, we'll be denying the power of God access into our lives. We won't cross over into it, and it won't cross over into our circumstances and our situations. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? All right. So another question for you. I hope you're not tiring of my questions, okay? If you only expect what you can produce, guess who you have put your trust in? You see this? If I only expect on a daily basis what I can accomplish by my own work, by my own efforts, by my own studying, by my own scratching and clawing and whatever, then 
what I've really done, you know, even if in my heart I'm calling myself doing it as unto the Lord, right? But if I'm still only expecting from my efforts what I can produce in my own ability, then what I've actually done is I've put my, I've put my trust in myself, my confidence is in what I can earn. My confidence is, is in what I can acquire um, through uh, diligence and hard work. Again, diligence and hard work are virtues. Don't misunderstand me. But if I only expect from my efforts what my efforts can produce, then I've left God out of the equation. I've denied him and his power at the border, and, and, and I've literally, I have put my trust in myself. Amen. Well, that's not where we want to live. And we'll never get to that level we were created to live on by trusting in ourselves. Amen. All right, that was my introduction. Praise God. Okay. Amen. Oh, Pam says, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't like to acknowledge it, so... If you tell her I said it and agreed with her, then you're in trouble with me. No, I'm kidding. She tells me all the time, she says, honey, she says, you, you have no sense of time on what you can, like, when we bought our first house together, it needed the kitchen remodeled, the bathrooms. It had bicentennial wallpaper in the bedrooms. It had thick shag carpet with multiple dogs that they had Never let outside to use a bathroom. When I say it was rough, it was rough, okay? I took one week off work expecting to remodel that whole house in a week. I don't know. I don't know what it is, Donald. I guess I just, I don't know. Praise God. I'm expecting more than I can produce on my own, right? Amen. So she says I have no sense of time when it comes to projects. I took on a project this week that I thought I would finish in a couple of evenings. She said, you just took on a week-long project, didn't you? I said, oh, no, baby. No, I'll get this done. I'll be through in a couple of hours. <laughs> Three days later, I'm still working on it, right? So I guess that spills over into my sermon preparation. But anyway, um, I'd rather have more than enough than not enough. Amen. We left the land of not enough long time ago. Praise God. Let me give you one more verse and then we'll pray. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. I want everything we've said up into this point to build a momentum going into these verses because we find these verses in the Old Testament but they're just as true for us living under a new covenant as they were for those under the old. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. The literal word for strength there is arm. Anybody ever heard of the arm of the Lord? Arm is, is speaking of strength. That's why it's translated strength here. But it, it means more than just like being strong. It's talking about God's power and ability to deliver his people and lead them to the promised land. The arm of the Lord. The arm of the Lord. He, he didn't just deliver them with his arm. He led them. He provided for them. The, 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 the odyssey that we have in the, in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is God's people, Jewish people, descendants of Abraham, 
how God brought them out of slavery in Egypt so that he could bring them into the life that he had for them. I call it living your best life. They call it the, their promised land. God has a promised land for you, my brother, sister. That, that life on the next level is, is your promised land. We were created for it, and we all know it, but we can't get to it through our own efforts. No more than they could get out of Egypt into the promised land through their own efforts. But the arm of the Lord, God rolled up his sleeve and he flexed his muscle, not just to deliver them out of slavery, our case, deliver us out of sin, but to get us into the life, bring us into the life that God ultimately created us to live. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Now, see, again, your heart departing from the Lord, we, we may call that backsliding, we may call that... Um, you know, all kinds of things. And, and, and more than likely, someone's heart departing from the Lord stirs up images in your mind and thinking that are much more severe and much more worse than what it's really communicating here. What is he saying? He says that if you go from trusting God to trusting yourself, trusting God to trusting other people, trusting God to trusting money, your heart's departed from the Lord. Why is that? It's your focus. Remember, remember David talked about his heart being fixed, his heart being set, his heart being fixed and set on God. So if our hearts are, are, are set and fixed on God, well, if our heart departs from him, it means our hearts have become set on, fixed upon something else. He'll be like a shrub in the desert. Come on now, God didn't create you to be a shrub or live a shrub life. He created you to be a tree, a fruitful one, a healthy one, a flourishing tree. But if you trust in, if you put your trust in man, you're a man, by the way, so that would include trusting yourself. He'll be like a shrub in the desert, shall not see good when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. We'll talk about it next week, but he's talking about living on peanuts in Peanutville. Amen? Living on peanuts in Peanutville. How many of you know the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor? Okay. Me and him just had us a good laugh this morning, right? I'm sitting there typing away. I typed dry, parched, and salty. Help me out, Rick Cosmer. Dry, parched, and salty. That's a peanut in it, brother, if there's ever been one. And so I'm sitting there laughing about that, and he whispers in my spirit. He said, people living on peanuts in Peanutville. Amen. It's not the life God created us to live. Amen? So let me get to this last part. Um, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man. Come on now, stand with me this morning. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to speak this over you. Praise God. This is us right here. Verse 7. Look at your neighbor say, verse seven's me. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose hope is the Lord. Hope is what? Expectation. Hope is a confident expectation for something good. Amen? Good things coming. Whose hope is the Lord. We're expecting more than what we can produce on our own. For he shall be like a tree, not a shrub in the desert, but a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. Look at me for a moment. 
I have my opinions about global warming, and I will not share them here or now, and only if the Lord leads me to share them. But heat's coming, my friend. Listen to me. Heat is coming. And it's not from cattle. Are you hearing me? We sang about it this morning. This creation that we live on is groaning. It's struggling under the weight of sin. Sin brings a curse to this planet. The Bible says there's coming a day when this planet will be delivered and redeemed from sin in the same way that you and I have already been delivered and redeemed from sin. Sin has negative consequences and impact on our lives, did it not? It has negative consequences and impact on the earth. And there's coming a day when it will be delivered. matter of fact, not only is this earth warming, it's going to melt one day. Okay? So when he's talking about heat coming, you ever, we use that expression, man, the heat's on. And we're not talking about a cold winter day and a thermostat. The heat's on. It's talking about pressure, right? But what, what, what does he say? I will not fear when heat comes. Why? It's, be, it's because, you know, if, if I'm only expecting what I can produce on my own, then I'm no match for the heat. But if I'm expecting Jehovah, then he has power to get us through that. Amen? We'll not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious. Come on now. Will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Praise God. Father, I thank you this morning that we are those blessed men and women who are trees planted by your living rivers, your living waters. They nourish us. They flow through us. Your power, Father, coming out of our born-again spirits, flowing through the valve of our soul into our life reality and into the world and into the people's lives around us. Father, this is why we can lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. It's because we have that same power that was present so many years ago deep inside of us, Lord. Wellsprings, rivers of living water flowing from deep inside of us. And Father, I thank you that we put our trust in you. We are, you are our hope, Father. Our expectation is not limited to what we can buy or what medicine can fix, but our confident expectation is in the one who breathes galaxies out of his mouth, and so, Father, I thank you that we'll not be anxious, we'll not fear when the heat's on here in this natural world in which we live, but because we've put our trust and our confidence in you, we know, Father, that we will continue to be fruitful, we will continue to be blessed, we'll continue to bear fruit for your kingdom. Father, even in years of, of drought, years of pandemic, years of climate change, whatever, Lord, may be going on in, in the world around us, because, Father, we, we are those who have put our trust in you. We are those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Father, we are those that, that may one day see a thousand on one side of us fall and ten thousand on another. Lord, but when the dust settles, we're still standing there grinning like a tree bearing fruit. And so, Father, I speak those words of truth and power over these men and women, over those watching me on the Internet this morning. But, Father, also, Lord, all that comes along with it, the work the efforts involved in developing our faith and our trust in you. Thank you, Father, for this morning, for this time together, for the things that you're revealing to us. We receive them now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Praise God. Tell somebody around you good things coming. Thank you again so much for being here. Obviously, we will have service next Sunday. It's July the 4th. Amen. But we will.